Hello, we are Terra Nova, a horror podcast hosted by Kendall and Jackie, and here we talk about everything horror. And this podcast is specifically for you, the horror fans and the non-horror fans. If you're too scared to watch the movies, it's fine. We talk about it, we discuss it, we dissect it, we laugh about it, talk about the good, the bad, and the tropes. And we have new episodes released Tuesdays bi-weekly. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Terranova underscore podcast. But also feel free to reach out through email at terranova.pod at gmail.com. And most importantly, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. And tell your dog too. Cujo. <laughs>
they start getting word that there's like this weird demon involved. They're thinking, oh, maybe the, maybe the spirits are upset. The spirits are this, spirits are that. And we're not really sure why. And then we come across the boar, Nago, who's this giant ass boar. But before it is revealed that he's a boar, he looks like a really like demonic creature who attacks, you know, Ashitaka's town, his village, and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> when they find out that it is the great god, uh, Nago, one of the boars, you know, they try to, you know, give it peace and passing. But the wise woman in the town was just like, you know, he was cursed. He was turned to a demon from something, something hatred, something angry inside of him. And when Ashitaka was fighting the, the boar off to, so that it doesn't like, you know, ravage the village, he ended up getting inflicted with the, the curse as well that basically was covering Nago. And the wise woman had told him that how, like, we would have to stone you. We don't want to do that. But you can no longer live in this village. You need to go find the source, find out what's happening. And find out the truth, and to see the eyes without clouded with hate, which is a very that's the most notorious line of that movie because it gets repeated so often through the whole entire film. Um, yeah. So he goes, he comes across this village that's being attacked by samurai. He's seen how they're basically like committing genocide on this other village, and this is rallying him up. And without him fully being aware that the more he gets riled up, the more his anger rises, the curse is on his arm awakens and then basically makes him do murder. So, mind you, this man is on a, what was it? Was it an elk he's on? Yeah, red elk. Yeah, he's on a red elk. He's like doing the link shit because all he has is a bow and arrow. You know, <laughs> he barely used the sword. Um, but he's there shooting his bow and now like he's Legolas from freaking, you know, Lord of the Rings. And he's literally decapitating people with the arrows. And you're just like, holy shit. But then he feels guilty about it because he's like, you know, I don't kill. I don't do bloodshed. I don't want to do unnecessary bloodshed because of the curse that's making him do all these things. So he has to find a way to get where he has to get. And, you know, the village that he's from is very unknown. Not many people know about it. So this man is, is basically, he's a prince, and he's carrying, like, gold, like, gold little nuggets. And when he went to get rice on this village, like, hey, what's this? And then this monk was just like, that's gold, miss. I mean, if you don't want it, I'll take it. The whole scene was hilarious. She's like, give me my gold. Um, <laughs> and so the monk that he meets along his journey, you know, he's just like, you know, you seem familiar. Like, not that he seems familiar, but the way he dresses and... You know, the bowls he carries seems familiar. Um, but, you know, he talks about how he's noticing that the world is very different. It's a lot of, like, violence, a lot of this, a lot of hatred. And, you know, the monk is just like, yeah, well, you know, that's life. That's the world. You know, we can't do anything about it, but to just mind our business and survive. Do what we can. And when he shows the monk the, the ore... It's like this little like metal ore that was found in the boar that they that he had to kill. Um, he was like, you know, where can we find it? Where can I find this? Where can I do this? And they kind of like you know basically lure him away, like lure him to the way like like if you take this route, you may find what you need. And again, he keeps repeating the whole lines like he's just trying to see the world without you know his eyes and cluttered by heat and stuff. So as he's traveling, he does end up meeting the Iron Town where that was basically made. And he meets Lady Ibushi, who, you know, Kendall kind of voiced his opinions at the very end of the movie. 
you know, um, <laughs> about that woman. But he meets her and he sees that how this is a town where they're making iron, but at the cost of the forest that they're inhabiting. Because the mountain they're on was once a forest full of trees and Nago, which is the boar that Ashitaka fought in the very beginning, was the, was the god protecting that land. And so Lady Iboshi and her women and men basically killed his whole army of boars and then later tried to kill him and of course causing him to have a curse and whatnot and again it rises up Ashitaka his his arm is like ready to kill her ready to take revenge but he's just like I, I'm not that person I refuse to be that person but in doing so you find out about San who is also a human but she's a human raised by wolves her mother ends up being moral the, the wolf god yeah. from that forest and she has a whole vendetta too, where she was like, you're destroying the earth, you're destroying the trees, you're destroying everything, we need to get revenge, we need to destroy all humans. And even though she doesn't acknowledge that she's a human herself, everyone knows that she's a human, but she's like, I'm not human. Like, I'm not a human child. I'm, I'm, I'm different. Um, so the story is basically like a mixture of Ashitaka trying to find out how to rid this curse, trying to figure out like, why is this even happening? And then San's objective was really, I just want to get rid of the humans because I fucking hate humans. Humans suck. I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> and then the whole protection of the land. Yeah, the lines are pretty clearly drawn. Yes. <laughs> and then the whole, like, protecting of the land, protecting of the environment, protecting the humans. Because the end goal is that Lady Iboshi and this monk that you meet at the very beginning, they have a notorious, uh, uh, what's the word? Interior motive. Where their whole goal is to kill the spirit god who is who takes form of a deer and the emperor with a weird face. Yes, with a human face <laughs> and stuff like that. And so the emperor that the monk is serving, he wants the head of the god so he could find some type of immortality to live forever, which of course they're all like that's not true, that can't be real, blah blah. So once San and Ashitaka finds out the truth that, that that's what the end goal is. Now it becomes the race time of like, okay, we have to help each other because now we have to save the forest. You know, before Ashitaka was like, I'm going to die because this curse is killing me. But this is also important because you can't mess with that. Because if you mess with that, who knows what's going to happen to the forest? Who knows what's going to happen in the chain reaction of you messing with the gods and killing the ultimate one, in, you know, who protects the land. So, and of course, you know, typical humans, what happens? They do it. They kill the spirit god. You know, shoots his head off. And then he ends up becoming a vengeful spirit trying to look for his head. Where he's basically causing everything to die. Everything to be destroyed. Our humans' souls are being sucked out of their bodies. Everyone's dying. You know, the Iron Town's being attacked by people. And it's just a vicious cycle of violence that's happening and whatnot. And again, Ashitaka and San still being like, hey, we need to we need to find a way to do this. You know, San kind of gave up because, you know, unfortunately her mom dies. You know, all the creatures around her are dying. But Ashitaka was just like, we need to return the head. We need to do this. Like, we, we can do this. We could do this. And um, long story short, they do. They end up finding the head. You know, um, Lady Iboshi gets hers. Her whole arm gets bitten off by the head of Moro. Some of hers. <clears throat> Yeah, 
again, Kendall had a lot of thoughts about that at the very end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so they returned to head to the spirit god, and just before sunset, because their whole thing was like, if the sun goes up and sun rises, that's it. There's no god for this land at all. But they looked into it before that, and he was able to basically reform the forest that they destroyed by making Iron Town, and they rebuilt the forest. They rebuilt it all. You know, again, they still lost certain things. Certain people die. Certain creatures die. But then they saw that how, like, this is how the world was supposed to look. In a way, the spirit god basically healed the wounds of what was inflicted. But that there was still much more to do for it. And Ashitaka's curse was, well, I guess kind of lifted. Because they didn't really explain it. I think it kind of lifted because it wasn't, it was barely noticeable on his, on his arm anymore. Yeah, it seemed like it was more so relieved. Probably not, like, bothering him as much. Or, like, reversing in some ways. Yeah. Because um, the curses that it afflicted Moro, San's mother, and um, Okato, which is an elder boar god, um, the curse was on them, but the spirit god basically just gave them a kiss of death to ease their suffering and to release them from the world. So he didn't really cure them of their curses. He was just like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you free. So you don't have to die a miserable death. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that was my summary. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot, If you, especially if you've never seen the movie. But if you haven't seen it, obviously, we highly recommend you watch it. It's a really good watch. And so. A really ple- pleasant watch. Like the animation is beautiful and all of that stuff. So, yeah. But we'll hop into like I guess our stories with the movie and all of this stuff. Um, you know, the first time I saw this movie, I was twelve years old. Same. <laughs> Which at this point is almost twenty-two years ago. Yeah, we're old. Uh, so this movie when I was twelve years old. We're old people. We're old. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I saw this movie when I was twelve. I saw it because of, uh, one of my good friends, my homeboy Kevin, his brother Matthew, was like just get starting to get into anime. It was like right at that time where like Toonami was starting to do anime and show anime and stuff like that. And when I say an anime, like most people know what you mean. Like, you know, aside from like American cartoons, which like, you know, Static Shock and all that, which we love all of that. Nothing against that. But, you know, just anime is like it's different. Um, It's like slightly different. Sometimes the stories are or more adult as well, but, like, the animation style and all that is different. So that's, like, one of the distinct things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of other things like on longer, on longer laundry list, but but I remember he was first getting into it, and it might have been because he saw this movie on Toonami, or he saw it somewhere on, like, Anime Channel or something, because remember Cable used to have, like, an anime channel? Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't remember if this is, this is where he saw it, that's where he saw it, but he had the DVD. I remember having the DVD, and he put it on, you know, me and my friends, because, you know, they, they're brothers, so they, like, share a room. Um, So, you know, I'd just be in there kicking it with them, hanging. And most of the time, we weren't even paying attention to what was on TV because we back there just bullshitting with this, like, playing with random things or joking about random stuff. And then his brother puts this on, and I remember we were all, like, Princess Mountain, okay, like, what is that? And, like, he didn't even really know how to describe it because he's like, I've never seen it, but I heard it's really good. And we were like, okay, cool. So he put it on, and we kind of weren't even paying attention. But then, like, the moment that dude shot the arrow and he shot the guy's arm off, we were like, hold up, what the fuck happened? What is this movie? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like it like that just immediately caught our attentions and then we kind of ended up like i think we were planning on going outside that day but we ended up staying in to watch the movie because we were like wow this is like 
really interesting. It's just, yeah, it's just like really visually appealing. It was already visually appealing out the gate, but then the the, the action was like kind of interesting, and you kind of like hold. On, I wonder where this is going, like, because no man should have the power to like shoot someone's arm off with an arrow. Like that's insane. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, we just, I remember we both were just like all three of us, honestly. We were just so hooked, and it's just like, man, this is like really visually appealing. The story is like coming together in a really interesting way. Um, everything looks nice. Everything feels like it has purpose. It feels like you know you're watching like a legit movie. It's just an animated form. Um, with like true storytelling. So we like, I just I remember that, and I remember it was like, and I always say in a lot of ways, it was this movie was like my introduction to anime. Even though I saw Sailor Moon prior to this, because Sailor Moon came out, I think when I was like nine or ten it was on like cartoon network mm-hmm. um but i didn't consider that anime anime at the time i didn't know that was anime at the time so like i didn't officially know that anime was a thing until i saw princess mononoke so i always like kind of credit it for my actual introduction into anime and being one of my favorite movies never people always say oh what's your favorite animated movie i literally always used to say this because it was the one i saw the most and i just like always really enjoyed it so um revisiting it now as an adult like a long t- like way past the billions of times I've already seen. I think I've seen this movie at least like six, seven times, possibly ten actually. Um, revisiting it now as an adult and seeing it theaters, you guys, that was like really fun. I was like, man, I never saw this on a big screen. I only saw this on like on a DVD and like a lot smaller of a TV. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the movie still holds up. It's like a really beautiful story. It feels even more meaningful now, like not just because of the like, not necessarily just because of like the political landscape of like you know climate and all that stuff. Um, I think it just feels more because like I feel more. I guess if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel more now than I think I did when I was at tw- when I was 12. Well, like watching this going, wow, the story's like impactful and like cool. But like, you know, it's kind of like reflecting on a moment in life. You go, man, it's like a movie evokes emotion. And like, that's really like the most you can ask for when you like involved with any form of med- media is like actually feeling something, right? Like, you know, not feeling like indifferent because like of what you're just watching just going okay that was cool like what we've, we've all had that right like you see yeah. something whether it's a movie tv show and you're just kind of like oh that was cool like it like it doesn't leave like a lasting impression it just kind of makes you go oh i enjoyed that that was all right but like this movie leaves a lasting impression and kind of makes you go man like i actually feel like genuine human emotion watching this and that's really dope <laughs> so I, I think also because i step off my soapbox now but that's <laughs> how i feel about it <laughs> i think it's also because like you said like we're older now when i first saw Prince Mononoke, I was also really young. I don't remember how old. And I remember that was the time when I also first watched Akira. Again, I'm a child. I don't know what the hell I was watching. You know, <laughs> I mean, Akira too. I mean, we should definitely do Akira next time. Because that's a, it, that. Yeah, I was yeah. actually watching Akira recently. That shit was wild. That's, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Jordan Peele, though, for wanting to bring Akira to the big screen again through live action. I wonder how he's going to do that shit. But, um. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, because that's who allows for commentary. But I remember watching Prisnoke as a child, and yes, visually it's beautiful and it's very impactful. I think as a child, what I loved the most about it was the relationship between San and Ashitaka, and as well as like the little creatures, mm-hmm. like those creatures that like when they shake their head, they make they sound like a rattle. Like yeah. I love those little the clicking things. noise. Yeah, like... <laughs> they're so fucking cute and adorable. Um, and I've seen it multiple times too. But like you said, I do agree with you. Rewatching it now after all these years, because there's a lot of stuff that I don't remember that happened. Like <laughs> when, like the spirit god, I think is like taking an. I forgot what happened. And you see like the little the little creatures on the trees. Like at first, the wind's blowing and they have their hands up. 
like a roller coaster ride. They're like, wee! Like, I was just like, oh, they're having fun. Um, yeah, watching it now on the big screen, which it was a great experience. Again, shout out to Edgar, because Edgar and I were talking about rewatching it. He was actually, he's the one that was like, anybody want to go watch it with me? And I was just like, dude, I will fucking rewatch this shit with you. I want to go see it. And then I brought it up to Kendall. I was just like, do you want to join us? Since we're doing the movie anyway. And <laughs> we're going to be in a big screen. So shout out to Edgar, man. He's like the he's like the third member of Terra Nova, basically, behind the scenes stuff. Word. Um, and uh, it was such a good experience rewatching it. See for what they were. I mean, the, I mean, the visuals were just so impactful, so beautiful, vibrant, bright. And like I said, I think because we're older now and in a way we're kind of experiencing what's going on now in the movie, like we're experiencing it in real time, it does hit differently. It feels different now. We're just like, huh, I get it. I get it now. And the thing with like Miyazaki films is that they're all have messages. They're all they're all like um, social commentary films. All of his movies, whether people want to believe it or not, but they all have some type of hidden message behind it. And this one just ho- so happens to be about the environment, the war between human and nature, which is still going on to this day. I mean, this movie came out in 97. We're in the year 2023 and we're still going through shit. I mean, Canada is on fire. Uh, I believe Hawaii is on fire now. <laughs> Canada on fire. Yeah, Canada's on <laughs> yeah, fire. You're right. You're right. Hawaii's is on. Just sound wild when you say it like yeah, that. Yeah, Hawaii's on fire right now. Like it's freaking. It's getting hotter every year, every day. That the the weather is not the way it is. Like the planet is literally dying. You know, like animals are going extinct left and right. And it's crazy because again, this this film talked about the dangers of that. Where it's like this this whole town. This iron town, which they think they're doing something positive, we're just like, oh, you know, we're, we're building lives, we're giving jobs, we're doing this and that, but it's totally in disregard of what's around them. Like, oh, yeah, like that board was just like, I, the way she said it too just pissed me off, man. Like, freaking Lady Eboshi was just like, oh, yeah, like, Nago was so upset we were doing it that we had to get rid of him. He was always upset and we finally shot him. It was amazing. I'm just like, you're literally messing with the fucking god who's just trying to protect his land, trying to protect his tribe. And it's just like, really? Like, what's wrong with you? And then, of course, you know, because he's so full of rage and full of anger, he turns to this demon. You know, full of all this stuff. And it's just, uh, Again, so many subliminal messages, so many hidden messages, so many just... And then, of course, the, the famous line. The famous line that is said throughout the whole entire movie. I want to see the world with eyes and clouded with hate. And that's so impactful because I get that was so memorable for me as a kid. And again, as a kid, I didn't know what the hell that meant. But then as you got older, you understand what he means by that, where the world is just full of hate 24 7, 365 days. And for him to see the world unclouded by it, but just see it as a neutral party, where it's just like, I understand both sides. I understand everything, but I refuse to let that hate overtake me because it's going to, to destroy me out. Like, that's so impactful. You know, that's that's so like, it's, it's like very strong. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. That's what 
that's what makes this movie so enjoyable. It it is a uh, lessons on lessons because one thing that uh really catches my attention about this movie, especially looking at it now, um, and we you know it's highlighting some of the articles we were reading prior that you found was how the movie doesn't really have any like true bad guys. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's what well, that was. That was obviously a touching point when they were trying to bring the movie over here from Japan. Um, because if you know how America, American movies tend to be, you know, pretty straightforward in claims of who's the bad guy and who's not. Yeah. Um, but I mean, generally, even, even without that, I think it is pretty interesting that the movie doesn't have like a true bad guy because like everyone's, everyone's reasoning is valid. It's just that everyone's decisions have consequences. That's like kind of what the movie is basically saying in short term. It's like, mm-hmm. even with good intentions, uh, you could, you could, it could lead to bad things or like, you know, that whole saying the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like the movie's kind of an example of that in a lot of ways. Cause all the characters kind of have like valid motive motivations for the most part. Like outside of, of course, you know, them wanting to like kill the forest spirit just, just for like, actually not even that's kind of valid. Like it's not a good reason, but it's like a valid reason because they're trying to like kill the forest spirit. Well, the monk wants to help wants the ladies help to kill the forest spirit because the emperor, I believe, is sick, and he believes that the head will give him immortality. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's a valid reason to try something like that. Um, clearly, there would be consequences to such decision, but that is a valid reason. Um, the lady, she uh, in Iron Town, her whole thing. She's basically given women jobs. She reformed a bunch of women who were probably like sex workers to like the samurais uh, of the time period. Gave them work in a factory. Gave them kind of like a job purpose, um, mm-hmm. something to do outside of just like essentially be like trophies for men, which is pretty dope. And even with like sick people who are more sick, I think some people had like uh, leprosy, uh, leprosy, uh, yeah, leprosy, leprosy. She like even found she even like found value in those people to the point where they like enjoyed working with her and was like happy to build the weapons that they were building. Building now, like all of that, all of that looks like beautiful things for her to like, you know find value where generally people don't in society like you know in general society people just don't value people that are sick they just like they treat them like burdens of society and then even with women a lot of times people treat women like they're a burden to society if they're not like, doing anything outside of childbirth childbirth so it's kind of great that like a woman leader was like i will find value where other people did not and then i will beat the people who didn't want to find value in the places that i seeked i think that's really, like, really interesting um really really good point about like humanity in a lot of ways and like how you can do things differently and find value because you have these samurais out here these dudes got swords and shit they chopping people up meanwhile she's over here like instead of building armor she's building weapons that can fight from a distance it can destroy armor so in a way she built an army that was better than existing armies that were known to be stronger and kind of did them in secret but also had oh she she did it to a level where she had to be respected by the same people who who probably wanted to kill her. They, like, she had to be respected. Like, not only were these other, I guess you could say nations or whatever you want to call her, factions were relying on her to get to get iron because she was the best at getting it despite it coming at the expense of the forest. She was the best at making it and the best, do, best at doing it to the point where even the people who probably hated her had to respect her because her weapons was no joke. And they knew they couldn't just, like, walk in there and just take everything. Like, even the, the fact that they even knew that they, that wasn't an option is actually pretty impressive considering like her status in life it, like so it's kind of dope 
I know I was joking about how she deserved more than her arm being chopped off because she was really an asshole about certain things, like <laughs> yeah. killing the spirit. So you like, I'm like, I can't root for that. But it is pretty uh, impressive what she built. Mm-hmm. You know, even the movie kind of hints at it, how impressive it is about that what she built. And even the main character is like, this is pretty amazing. Like, the only thing he's, like, really shocked at is, like, you're doing all of this at the expense of the forest. Like, you're not trying to find any sort of compromise. balance to, like, doing what you do. Yeah, you're not trying to find any compromise to, like, doing what you do and then coexisting with nature that's nearby you. Because there probably is some way you could do what you're doing and not let it be at the expense of nature, but actually, like, you know, some sort of uh, union with nature that is in, like, throwing the world in the whack. So that was, like, the biggest complaint that he had for her, which is totally justified. But outside of that, um, everything that she created is actually very awesome and impressive and amazing considering the time period mm-hmm. and considering uh, who she is and considering who she chose to work with and who she chose to trust and who she chose to like depend on like it was it was kind of dope it was really dope like and it, and it wasn't even like oppressive right um you know like she just she leaned on the women more in, in her city to get things done but she didn't necessarily devalue the men it's just that she leaned on the women because she wanted to trust them more because she she knew their characters. And I think that's, like, really interesting considering, you know, oftentimes people say uh, if they believed if the world was flipped and women were in charge, then men would be impressed. I mean, men would be oppressed. And sometimes, maybe, that's about, that universe probably exists uh, where men are oppressed and women are on top. But uh, I don't think you can say definitively that's what the world would be if women had higher positions of power. And so I think it's kind of cool that that was how they decided to, sh- to make that character so that she's like not a true bad guy and almost someone you kind of root for, but you just can't root for the chaos that's being caused. Aside from even the fact that she's building guns, which that's a whole different level of like chaos being brought into the world. But at the same time, it does kind of make the weak powerful. So it's almost an equalizer. Mm-hmm. but uh yeah no everything she's built is super impressive she's a really interesting character and it's amazing that like kind of like 80 percent of the movie focuses on her and like the world that she built that's kind of dope yeah i definitely agree i mean yeah because um these women i mean even the movie like when um ashitaka did go into town and he was eating food with the men and they were talking about how things were different once lady Iboshi came in where then he was just like yeah, like he she gave all the women jobs. Like, oh my god, blah blah blah. Like they were kinda like complaining about it <laughs> in a way. You know, they're like kinda like not being serious kinda. but also being like, Oh yeah, things went kinda like up topsy turvy when she became leader and stuff like that. And it it, it is interesting because at that time period, women, especially the women that she took, she yeah, she saved them from um those concubine homes. Yeah, the brothels where their only job was to please a woman. That was their whole existence. That's all they existed for. And she made them value themselves. Like you said, she made them feel like they were worth more than just their body. You know, they're capable of more. And so, yeah, it is definitely powerful and very, like, um, like you said, impressive. It is impressive. And she did gain. Yeah, super impressive. And she gained a reputation for that. She did. Everybody wanted her iron. Everybody wanted it to attack because it was the. At <laughs> yeah. first, it was the impregnable fortress. But they're like, oh, no one can reach this fortress because Lady Iboshi is impregnable. 
But then the moment she left, the moment she left to 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 um get the spirit god's head, that's when all the samurai came in to try to attack it. But the women were pretty much like, "No, we're gonna hold the fort. We got this," you know. And even she was just like, "I trust my women. Yeah. I trust them. You know, we don't have to go back right away. I trust that they're able to handle this," which is a lot of respect on her and trust. But she has a lot of trust of that. And yeah, so. Going yeah. going back to the whole the fact that there is no good or bad people, even San. You know, San also like her so with San being the daughter of Moro, who is this wolf god, her agenda is okay, you're destroying the earth, you're destroying our lands, you're destroying our friends. I want revenge, but at any cost necessary. Meaning she would take down even the innocent. Just to get to Lady Iboshi, not giving a fuck who gets hurt. So, again, full of rage, full of vengeance, full of all this stuff, valid. Because she is a child of a forest god, Moro. So she is witnessing the destruction of her home, destruction of the forest, destruction of her fellow, like, animal gods that also exist around her that are also being cursed and being fallen and being killed like of course it's gonna bother her you know because you're like you're you're messing with my land <laughs> you know like the hell's wrong with you yeah. and so definitely valid for her anger with that rage is coming from you know for her and then her saying oh i hate all humans again denouncing that part of herself where she's like i am not human even though she is human but she's like no i am no longer human i am one with the forest like i am of these people like these are my family the only, I guess, downside of, well, not really downside, is just that. It's the fact that she, even though she hated Lady Iboshi, if anybody stood in her way, she would have no hesitation to kill them whatsoever. Even if they had nothing to do with what's going on. But the whole village was responsible. So, in a way, it's like... Yeah. It, it makes sense why... She justified her decision. Yeah, because the whole village, even if they're like, oh, I think this is wrong, you still partook into it. You never stepped up and said no. You never stepped up and said, I don't think we Pretty do much, this. yeah. You know, you, you still comply to it. Yeah, because I think when people look at it, they're just like, oh, well, maybe Sans bad because she's trying to destroy Lady Iboshi stuff. Like, again, you her her emotions and feelings for it was definitely more valid than Lady. I mean, yes, Lady Iboshi had a reason. But for San, it was a bit more valid where it's like, now you're, you're destroying my home where I live. You're fine. You're yeah. safe. You have all this food. You have all these people. I have nothing now. My family has nothing. You took everything. And it's totally understandable where her hatred is coming from. With Ashitaka, his whole thing is just like, I guess entering the world, I don't want to say ignorant, but his village has been unscathed for so long. Yeah, he long. definitely wasn't ignorant. Yeah, like he's, his, his, village, his village was just so unscathed for so many years because they're warriors. You know, they protected it for so many years. And then once it was like, you know, like Nago being cursed came in, they were like, oh, we got to find out what the hell's going on. Because his whole deal was just like, what's going on? This normally doesn't happen. The spirits are usually neutral. They're never this violent. What's happening? And then him trying to be the middleman of like, okay, I need to figure out what's going on. What's happening? What's the source of it? And trying to find peace among both, both sides. Because he could have killed Lady Iboshi. As many times as he fucking wanted to. And his hand showed that. <laughs> Every time he got so angry when she was talking, yeah. <laughs> his hand was just like, oh, like, I want to kill her. But 
instead, you know, the showdown, well, the second showdown, because the first showdown between Lady Iboshi and Don <laughs> on the mountain, that was the mountains, and some of their men was falling, and they're like, they're like, Lady Iboshi, what about the men? She was like, they're dead. There's no point. We have to make sure the living are sent home to, to be fed so that they're alive. We have to get them to safety first. Which one may say, we may take that as an, oh, she's heartless. No, she's realistic. That's not heartless. Yeah. Like, it sucks. And, and based on her dialogue, it sounds like this is a fight that they've had several times. This ain't the first time they fought. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like they fight every week. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because they're like, oh, it's, it's, it's Star again. It's Son again. It's the pups again. You know, you haven't met, you haven't seen Moro yet. <laughs> you know, I love how when the woman, when yeah. one of the, um, her soldiers was just like, I was just like, oh, I think we got the gods. And she was just like, they're just pups. Wait till you see their mother. And then out comes Moro, yep. this giant ass wolf with two tails. And they're like, oh my God. <laughs> and she was just like, oh, I mean, she <laughs> warned you. She told you. Uh, but yeah, like, it's just his whole motive was just like, I need to see the world. I'm clouded by hate as much as I can. And try to help both San and both Lady Iboshi. Because one, these people don't need to die. Two, you don't have to die. Because I, I just love how... I love how calm and collective he was around San. Where he was just like, oh, you're so beautiful. You're this, you're majestic. And she's like, the fuck? Who the hell are you? Like, why, what threw her off? She was like ready to kill him. He said she was beautiful. Yeah, I just think she didn't respect that response. That she didn't expect that kind of response. But and she took, like, especially since you know she hates all humans in general. Yeah, <laughs> but she definitely felt something where she was like, "Whoa!" And then even her brother was just like, "What's wrong?" And she was like, "It's nothing. Forget about it. <laughs> it's nothing. It's just I don't know what this <laughs> is. Like, what is this feelings?" Oh. Um, but he also tried to really be the most neutral person among both of them, of just like, "Hey, like." I see what you're both are doing. I understand both sides, but there has to be another way where no one has to die, where there should be no more bloodshed because then it's never going to end. It's never going to end. And even when um, he talked to, I think, Lady Iboshi about that, where he was just like, even if she kills you, it won't change anything. And she's like, you're right, it won't. Because if she kills me, my people would not hesitate to try to kill her and her whole family among uh, along with the other creatures in the forest it's not gonna end and she was absolutely right because once you have a vicious cycle of violence and again we see this because this movie is so relatable even even now it never ends it's like that whole hydra thing you cut one head out off a hydra out comes two more heads and then so on and so on and so on it just never ends yeah because she's a the lady, she's a, she's like a savior to her people. Mm-hmm. So anything that happened to her, well, in general, like you just said, violence is a cycle. It usually doesn't end. Shit, Afro Samurai hinted at that. <laughs> That's why I like that anime so much. Afro Samurai hinted at that. It was just like Kill Bill when he killed that dude, and then he was like, "Yo, man, when you get old enough to come see me, like you know where to find me." Like it's, it's an endless cycle. It just doesn't end. But also, like when you add in the, the uh, martyr side of it, if she died in combat to uh to the wolf girl <laughs> if she died to combat to her she would just basically be a martyr because her people already loved her so undyingly for everything that she's done which is why they was willing to fight so hard for a town that they literally could have just rebuilt 
But they was like, nah, fuck that. We're going to fight for what we got right here. So, yeah, she would have become a martyr um, if, it, if it went the other way. And it w- I feel like the only thing was with, with nature, and on the nature side, if the wolves died or Sanda did, like, they wouldn't be martyred necessarily. But it would just be kind of like, the, I guess the get back would be like nature itself. Mm-hmm. Which this film kind of kind of tries to highlight is that like nature kind of can attack back, just probably not in a way that we're used to seeing attack. You know, like one per, if two people get in a shootout, one person shoots the other person shoots back. In the case of man attacking nature, when man attacks nature, it looks different. Uh, and I think that's a really interesting thing for like the movie to highlight because it's I don't think it's something that we often consider. Like you hinted at it earlier in your right, how we're like we do wildfires around the world are getting more intense storms and hurricanes are getting more intense these are things that people talked about a long time ago that like we're now starting to see like the effects of or at least we feel we're seeing the effects of i'm gonna say that much not that i'm saying climate change in the real but i mean like we're seeing things where we go this seems worse than normal Mm -hmm. now sometimes people go you just making it up or things are just things just change naturally right like some people may say that that may be some people's rationale for like things that are happening in, t- in the world nature-wise, they maybe just be thinking, the world's just changing because the world always changes. Uh, a lot of people are saying, you know, these changes are because of things that we've done. Um, both sides could be maybe be right in their own ways, but we just, I don't think people ever consider nature attacking back because you're so used to doing what you do and considering, you know, human, even at the Highlanders movie, as like the top of the food chain. You don't really consider that something can get you back, and that that way you it gets back may not look like a a bullet flying over the horizon. It may look like there's no more fish in the sea because there's no longer a sea, uh, or there's no trees like in this movie. There's no forest because there's no forest left. Yeah. Um, but you can't use the land either because it's attacking you back, and I, I just think that's a really interesting thought in general because it, i just i just it's just not something we consider right like we exist in nature but we don't often think about how nature reacts to us existing in it very true and i mean even when the articles that said that they were like he wanted to give nature a voice you know i mean the spirit animals are the voices of nature that's their way of saying like hey we can hear like even moral when um when Ashitaka got shot and San took him in to get basically t- taken care of and she brought them to his cave and Mora was talking to him because I think he woke up for the night he couldn't sleep and Mora was just like I do not think I hear the screams the forest I hear it every day I hear the cries the trees are saying are screaming I hear the ocean. I hear it all. I can hear it. I can hear the agonizing pain. It's, it's, it makes me so upset and angry. Because all you humans know how to do is destroy. And that was a very important dialogue she was having with him. Because, you know, as a human, I'm sure he, I mean, even though he's a, he's a prince from a spiritual village where they're very, like, they respect the land, they respect the forest, they respect the gods, yeah. they do their best. But I'm sure they don't have that, even that sensitivity to like feel the earth or hear it for what it is. Like you, they, they, 
they do, but not in the same intensity as the spirit gods do. Where they're like, no, I can literally hear the earth dying. I hear her every day. And to hear that from Moro, who also was shot, you know, Moro was shot. So she's just like, I have this curse inside of me and eventually is going to tear yep. me apart, is going to kill me, is going to destroy me. But before I let it happen, I'm going to take that woman's head off one way or the other because of what she's done. It kind of reminds me of, um, like, the, the, what is it? The Colors, Colors of the Wind song from Pocahontas, where she tells John Smith, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, you know, you, you think you know everything, but every, every rock, every tree, every dirt, every ocean has a name, has a spirit. Like, it has a voice. You just don't know it. You don't acknowledge it because you don't want to see it. And that's the same way, too, where, like, Moro and San, you know, being the only human, but is fully embarked in the spiritual realm. Just, like, you don't see and hear what we, what we see. You know, you think land is just not something you could take. You just something you could destroy. That it, it's nothing. It means nothing. Like, nothing is, like, nothing's alive. You know, you always hear those sayings that they're like, oh, trees aren't alive. They can't feel... Or they can't do this or they can't do that. But no, they very much can. And the earth does have its way. I mean, Mother Nature in general is very vicious. I will say that. People tend to mm-hmm. like um, underestimate Mother Nature for what she is. And she's a very powerful person. I mean, being is the great, is the better word. She's a very powerful being. Because yes, like when things get crazy, out comes the big storms, the tsunamis, the earthquakes. The tornadoes, the, the the hurricanes, the um, you know the what is it um, sinking holes, tsunamis and all that, yeah, earthquakes, sinking holes like bridges falling apart because the land can no longer support it. You know, it's it's just like it's crazy. You know, and we have been seeing it lately. Like we've been seeing like. Mm-hmm. The even the oceans, the 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 aquatic creatures of the oceans who are now taking are fighting back. You know, like whales are orca whales. whales out here fucking up boats. Yeah, orca whales are literally fighting back because they're like we're no longer want to be hunted, and they're always hunted for their film for their fins, and they're fighting back. You know, like people misunderestimate nature does fight back. You know, we, we may not see it, you may not want to believe it, but it fights back in a very vicious aggressive way where it mimics human because we're vicious we're selfish we're destructive we're monsters you know and so it's just like again being older like us being in our age and we're witnessing this and then seeing it in the big screen from a movie that came out years ago 97 it hits differently again like i said because we understand it now we understand the message we see it for what it is we understand the what he was trying to say with it, we understand these characters more. We we empathize with them more. Like it it impacts us differently now. Whereas just like, damn, you know, like even just seeing the spirit god get shot, his head getting cut off, like I got angry. <laughs> you know, I felt so much anger. Yeah. Where it's just like this selfish bitch. Like, are you serious? Like, did you not know what you just done? And then you're seeing him destroy the whole planet because now he's a vengeful spirit trying to look for his head and he doesn't care who he kills in the process. He's killing his own creatures. 
his own land, his own planet, his, his everything around him because he's like, now I'm pissed off. Now you did something you were not supposed to do. Now you're feeling my wrath. Now this is my vengeance. This is how I get revenge. Like, you want to see me get vengeful, now everything must die. In a way, and it's just like, it's, it's scary. <laughs> Pretty much. And, you know, again, like, I had this talk with Melissa when, you know, I interviewed her for Terror Talk. And we were talking about how global warming is, is horror. Princess Mononoke is horrifying. You know, people may say, but it's dark fantasy. It's just this, that. No, dark fantasy is a subgenre of horror. And the reason why Princess Mononoke falls in the realm of horror because it's talking about a very real topic, which is the environment. Losing our environment, losing our ecosystem, losing all of this that it keeps us alive is the most horrifying thing. Because if you take that all away, what is there giving us life? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I remember when COVID happened, everything was shut down. There was no humans outside at the site. And what happened? Nature took over. You were seeing all these animals, like nature, like like deers, bunnies, go like running around, like highways, like sidewalks, just like, you know, whatever, like trees and, and moss and grass were growing in spots that normally didn't because there was no more human interaction and earth was healing. There was no more like toxic fumes from cars and buses and all this stuff infecting the fucking atmosphere because we have like shitty atmosphere now, you know, like we have bad air quality, we have pollution. And it's just like when you stop that and take it away, and then you see all these moments where earth is reclaiming itself, it's beautiful, but it's also frightening. Because when we're gone, who takes over the earth? It's the animals. <laughs> you know, it's the creatures. That's who takes over the earth because they were here before us, you know? Yeah, it's, that's, a really, that's a really good point. Um, he actually, you said a really, let me pull it up. It was like a really good quote that I actually read. Uh, he said about that. That was like a really, really nice way to kind of put it. I. Uh, Miyazaki. Is that how you say it? Let me make sure I say it appropriate. Yeah, Miyazaki. Oh, shit. I'm going to pick you in the lingo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he basically said, uh, when people were interviewing him way back about the movie, he was saying, I am more attracted to the idea of preserving the forest, not for the sake of humans, but because they themselves are alive. In the words of Yoshi- uh, Yoshikari, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that wrong, so don't come at me for that. <laughs> he said he believes that we should, we should not protect nature just because it's useful. Or try to control it. Instead, we should respect nature as something which has agency of its own. And I'm like, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I often think about that with a uh, with just major with just cities in general. Like, I'm not even gonna talk about like the suburbs. Right? That's a whole different other problem. But I mean, like, you know, with major cities, which I know, oftentimes some people go, major cities are terrible. But you know, in some ways, major cities are like the most uh, ecological way to live. Mm-hmm. because it puts multiple people in like one space versus just all just being like all of everywhere and taking up very little space but also taking up more space because we're individually taking up a lot of space mm-hmm. um but i often think about that just in general like that's just my mind going on a rant but i'm <laughs> but i'm always thinking about just like you know how cities are structured you know a lot of this stuff probably used to be like forest or used to be like a forest land you know they had to pave the roads and do different things to the roads so that maybe like you know plants don't grow in this particular place and now you can put a building up and things of that nature and it's like 
I'm happy we live in buildings and all of that, so I'm not saying they shouldn't have done that. But I often wonder, like, uh, what was the alternative to that if there was one? Mm-hmm. Like, what was the alternative to, like, you know, maybe getting rid of the entire forest and then putting up a bunch of buildings? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like for cities, it's probably not the worst thing, but when you get into, like, locations where it's, like, just one house out in the middle of fucking nowhere and then it's just a bunch of stuff around, it's like, dude, we could have just had the rest of that be forest. You didn't need to take up, like, 500 acres of land just to be like just to have 500 acres like some of that probably could have been forest and i don't know i just wonder i just think about that randomly you know like when you when you do something like that right like you chop down a forest and stuff like that like the animals all of the quote-unquote nature that's there has to like you know kind of move like they have no choice but to move Mm -hmm. um you know we we how many stories you see of like a deer just randomly runs into traffic and people are like what the fuck is up with that deer (laughs) It's like, well, that deer probably just got lost. <laughs> that deer was in the woods, and then it took a took a wrong left, and now it's in the middle of the highway. Like, goddamn. Um, and I'm not trying to say that there's a solution to anything like that, or like building it should go away forever. I just uh often wonder, like, if there is an alternative where like we could kind of coexist with nature in a way that's like not us just putting them in cages so we can go to the Bronx Zoo, but in a way where there's like I don't know some level of separation. Or maybe there is some forest, but then, you know, we have our buildings because it's the most efficient way for us to live. I don't know if there is a solution to that, but just a thought I sometimes wonder because, uh, you know, especially with animals becoming extinct and things like that, you, you kind of wonder like, man, will there come a day where like, whether you have grandchildren or something, you have to explain to them some animal that just doesn't exist anymore. Like it feels like a, a tiger or some shit. Like, oh, when I was a kid, we had tigers and like your grandkids like, what the fuck is a tiger? Yeah. <laughs> he like you he mean like tigger from winnie the pool I'm like well yeah, yeah he a tiger but like those things were real like it wasn't just cartoons like and you, and you wonder if it's like sometimes it's like well i would say oftentimes probably like an overconsumption that leads to some of this stuff where things end up in steak like you know people hunt for sport which that's sketch in his own way because it's like you hunting but you ain't hunting like because once you introduce a rifle you you kind of went by by default at that point, um, which is why I think people often kind of laugh at videos where it's like a lion eating a bunch of hunters because you're just like, yeah, I could have left that lion the fuck alone, but now the lion out here fucking y'all up. <laughs> it's like we kind of enjoy watching nature get their get back because we just like, some of nature just be like being nature. Like, we don't really get mad when the lion being a lion. We know it's a lion, so we stay away. Like, oh my God, like remember a few, I think that was last year. I don't know if you heard about that story. Did you hear about that story where the elephant showed up to a lady funeral and stomped out her corpse? To this day, I hear that he visits her grave often. Just to <laughs> cause mayhem. To this day. How wild is that? To this day. You know, he goes and just. Oh. Yo. Oh my. Imagine that. Imagine you at somebody's funeral. You paying your respects. You turn around and see a, a elephant running top speed towards the group. Y'all part like, oh shit, it's an elephant, let's move. And then the elephant start A-Town stomping the crib walking on your friend's dead body. You're like, yo, what did my friend do to make this elephant so mad? I forgot what it is. That is crazy. But she, she did do something. She did do something, she did something to that elephant. I forgot what it was, but it was some stupid shit she did. And again, elephants never forget. Elephants are very smart. They <laughs> never forget. And this elephant was just like, nah, bitch. I got you. It's on sight. Word. It's on 
fight. That's on site every time I see you. Every time I think about you, I'm coming through. Like, yo, that's wild. It's like, what did you do to make an animal that mad? Like, I've seen dogs do less actions to people who've attacked them. Elephant wearing all over here to stomp your body out. That's crazy. So, but you know, it had to be something extreme. That's why we never sit up here like, yo, man, it had to be the elephant. And we all like, nah, she must have did something because this, this don't seem like normal elephant behavior. But so I'm just, I was just going on the rant there. But I just, <laughs> that's all I did. Just talk about how just nature, nature kind of gets to get back in. You know, it's, I don't know if you notice how we like never really blame nature when nature do some wild shit. Like, don't get me wrong. I've been annoyed that it's been raining all summer. That's been real annoying to me. But I mean, generally speaking, we don't just we don't we usually don't we usually side with nature when they do some shit because we like yo that's what nature do like we shouldn't be in the way when nature do some wild shit but we totally feel the reverse when human beings do some wild shit to nature because we like yo we know nature exists yeah. why would you do such an extreme thing to like disrupt the balance and like fuck shit up like you sh- you know what this is you know we was only one earth currently that we coexisting on ain't no multiverse shit like we we supposed to figure out how to make this one work we don't set it all on fire and then go Damn, I really miss birds. It's like we could have kept birds. You didn't have to set everything on fire. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of work to do. And it's true because I mean, white, white rhinos—they're extinct. They're gone. They don't exist anymore. Like I think last year or two yeah. years ago was the last one. And you know, even certain birds are going extinct. You like, you know, giant birds. Certain like, like I believe sharks for a while was on the uh, close close to being extinct sharks um and bees bees are still in the endangered zone people forget that and without bees we're fucked <laughs> you know people forget that we're morally fucked and bees go extinct like that's the biggest creature that you should not want to go extinct which is bees like we rely heavenly on bees yeah even though they scared the shit out of me and i'm just like please don't hurt me um <laughs> when they're next to me i think i think i literally just <laughs> I think I literally just saw one outside my window. It was a big motherfucker, too. I think he sold a plant in my house, and he like, yo, let me in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's cold out here, mofo. Like, yeah, green stuff in there. Like, it's nothing here to eat. <laughs> let me in, motherfucker. You got the food. You got the good shit. <laughs> I think he gave me the middle finger before he flew off. <laughs> like, this is why, be back later. like, this is why I be stinging you people. Uh, <laughs> Word, well, long as it ain't like that elephant, I don't ever want to get nobody that mad. You know that elephant was never like, in my life. But but yeah, like it's it's like remember remember Harambe? Oh my god, remember Harambe! Yo, that pissed me off. It pissed us all off. But that pissed me off. Like it's a monkey. It's a gorilla being a gorilla. It pissed me off even more because people took advantage of that and put his name in the presidential election, and that's why we got that piece of shit. For those years, I'm just like, thanks, people. Thank you. I was like... As far as I know, this has been an alternate universe ever since Harambe died. Things have been different. Yo, it really has. Like, no lie. Like, it, it's like... I think that was like... You know what, Kendall? That was the canon event. It was a canon event. That was a canon event. That was a canon event. It had to happen, unfortunately. And thus... Now we're all fucked. It's like the Flash. Like, the Flash always goes back in time. He fucks the universe up. <laughs> It's just like, what happened to Flashback of Time? Like, God damn it, Barry. Barry, Wally, Bert, whoever. All the Flashes. They're always messing stuff up, man. Like, stop going back in time, <laughs> man. Just, just just, live in the moment. Stop trying to change shit, yo. Stop. Have you learned nothing from Terminator? 
Have we learned nothing from trunks? Like, come on. <laughs> God. But, um, but yes, I know we're going off a tangent right now, <laughs> but to go back to the whole thing, that was true. The mother nature, like she always, I mean, karma is very real. You know, karma isn't just recited within people. Karma is the universe in general. The universe always knows what she's doing. She always finds ways, even if it's like destructive and we're confused about it. We don't understand it, but there's always a reason why things happen. And, you know, a lot of people were like, every time when there's big storms that happen, like, you know, New Orleans or Texas, that huge, that huge freeze storm Texas had. And they were like, what's going on? And a lot of people were saying, that's karma. That was karma for them being monsters. And karma is very real and it comes in very destructive ways. And it's very dangerous, very frightening, very intimidating. But she knows what she's doing. The universe always knows what she's doing. We just have to stop questioning it. Like I do. I question it every damn time. I'm just like, why? But, you know, I got to stop. Otherwise, <laughs> she's going to slap me again and be like, here's a lesson for you. And I'm just like, <laughs> anyway, this ain't about me. This ain't about me. Anyway. um, <laughs> For those listening, I hope you're surviving Venus retrograde. I really do because I'm not. But anyway, um, yeah, like it's. <laughs> Nature is very frightening. It is very scary, and we need to respect it more for what it is. And you know, indigenous. Which I did mean, you say very, very frightening? It is. Nature is very frightening. It is. Mamma mia! Very scary. I mean, our ancestors, <laughs> like indigenous people, even now, like I know in Puerto Rico, we we still have indigenous people in Puerto Rico, like where we 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 view the land as not just land. It's it's very much alive, and even indigenous people. You know, view the land as then like, yeah, it's not just something you use. It's something you work with and it's something you ask permission for. Like, hey, can I cut this branch off to make some sap? Can I take these leaves off to make some type of like medicine wrap? You know, like it's all about asking permission. Yeah. Like, can I take this? Can I borrow this? I'll return it with peace. I will turn it with this. Like, you know, it's like push and pull. Like if you take something, you need to repay it back. You need to give your you give thing. it back. Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't just take it and be like, "Ha, oh, look what I got! Now it's mine." Like, no, that's it, that's not how it works. And that's essentially what was happening here, where it's just like Lady Iboshi saw how much land Nago was protecting, and was just like, "Hey, this would be a great place to farm my fortress. Let's take it. Let's take it by force and destroy these stupid animals." That's literally how she said it. You could call them at like stupid animals. Yeah. And it's just like when you disrespect nature in that type of way, of course, it's going to be returned in a very vicious way. Ergo, Morrow bit her whole arm off. You know, they should have been more. Like you said, it really yep. should have because she was a terrible. She was a terrible person. You know, like, yeah, she did all these great things. But as a person, she was very terrible. The way she viewed nature, the way she viewed San, the way like. You know, she kind of like scoffed and laughed at Ashitaki's like, you know, views of the world where she's like, oh, you're just a boy. What do you know? And it's just like, well, more than you, because you're kind of also stuck in your ways. It's just like, well, this is this. This is the way the world works. And this is what I know. And so therefore it should stay like this. But it's not because you're not you're not. um, What is it like? You're not respecting your surroundings. You got all of yeah. this by taking it 
with no gratitude whatsoever. So technically, it's not even yours to claim. It's not. It's not. Oh, I built this iron town. At what cost? You didn't build shit. You took it. You know? And, yeah. it's, and it's sad that her people kind of had to suffer for it because, again, when the samurais attacked, that was fucking karma. Like, I don't care. Like, that was fucking karma. And you know? when, yeah, in some ways, it definitely was. And even, like, the apes who kept trying to rebuild the land and she kept, like, shooting at it, like, oh, they keep trying to rebuild the forest. That's so annoying. And it's just like, who the hell are you? Like, leave them alone. They're not even on your side. They're on a different side of the island. Let them rebuild. Like, do you not like the smell of fresh grass or an ocean? Like, like what's wrong with you? Like, Jesus. Like, I mean. Well, it, 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 it's one of those things to me. It sounds like, um, you know what people say about uh, rich people? Yeah. Uh, when they get, when people, they get really, really rich, they tend to start, like, investing in art. <laughs> oh, yeah. because like art is one of those things that we don't want to people don't want to like pay for in commerce but they want to consume to show sophistication mm-hmm. I feel like she would be that person she would ravage the entire field build a, a giant empire of iron like fucking Boston say like she would build an entire empire Boston say <laughs> and then she would turn around Oh my god! Because <laughs> she had a great wall and everything. There's she no had a great wall. She was definitely going to build it. There's no war in Bossing State. Yeah, say it. Everything is peaceful <laughs> and safe in Bossing State. Yep, she was building her own version of that, and I wouldn't be surprised if she was one of those people. After she built the giant empire, she goes, "I do miss some trees," and then she started planting. But it's like you've destroyed all life, and then now you're just planting for amusement. You're not like planning for purpose, yeah. Like she, I feel like she definitely would be one of those people. Of course, she she would for sure be one of those people. I mean, she had a whole ass garden in her backyard. It's like, oh, look at my garden! Isn't it beautiful? Exactly. <laughs> it's just like what? Exactly. Like what? Like, <laughs> but yet you're mad. They're planting trees on the mountain of across you. Like, what? Make it make sense. And I mean, even that, like, yeah, that was the consequence sure. of that. The apes were even saw was just like the apes don't usually eat human flesh. Why do you want to eat humans now? That's not in your nature. And they're just like, we want the strength. We want to destroy the humans. We'll do anything we can at any cost. And that, too, is a repercussion. Is that when you take that away from certain things in nature, nature has to now, um, what's the word? Adapt. And adapt. some adapt and sometimes. It's not pleasant. Sometimes it's vicious and they act differently or they act on ways that they normally won't or they go into environments they normally won't be in. And now they have to adapt to this whole situation where now they come off as vicious and vile and crazy. You're just like, this is not typical. This is not how they normally are. It's, again, nature is fucking scary. It really is scary. Like, you don't respect you know, we hear all these people of like owning animals, exotic animals as pets, or like, you know, Segfree and that other guy who the the tiger, the white tiger shows. You know, he was attacked by his tiger. Yeah. You know, like people are attacked by like exotic animals that you just want to keep. They're like, oh look, I'm fancy. I have a monkey. I have a tiger. I have a giraffe. I have this and that. And then once they start acting out in their natural instinct, it's just like, oh my god, I can't believe that happened. How can that happen? You're taking them out of their nature, so now they're going to be acting out, adapting to what they think is normal, what they think is what they can. 
when you were talking about how you're not sure there's a place where we could coexist or like animals could be safe for some type of forest there are sanctuaries out there where people save animals that they cannot be in the wild they have sanctuaries there's a, a good point there's a wolf sanctuary there's a sanctuary for tigers and lions and other exotic animals there's like a kangaroo sanctuary like there's a whole bunch of sanctuaries that exist wolves i think i mentioned already where like it's to keep them safe so that way they could become animal ambassadors and once they become an animal ambassador you cannot fucking touch them you cannot touch them once they become ambassadors they are sealed they are protected by law if you touch them or kill them you will be fined and you will be arrested once they become animal ambassadors they cannot be touched legally people do it oh i didn't know yeah, that people still do it of course they do because people don't fucking care humanity is terrible humanity really ours i mean girl i mean girl my my goth poppy you know he does it best in his movies you know humanity <laughs> is terrible and again like miyazaki does not stray against that in all his films humanity is always the fucking monster in all his films always it's always like that and this is no different and it's crazy how yeah. this movie took seven years, I believe, to be complete. Like, yeah, I think they said it was seven years that they took. Yeah, it's, it's only like 10% of CG. They used 10% CGI for like 10% of the movie, which yeah. is kind of crazy because the movie was two, over two hours. Like, that's wild. Yeah, because Miyazaki really hates CGI. He hates that whole shit. He's just like, what the fuck is that? He believes in very, like, old school traditional animation traditional art. Which is like pen, pencil, paper, you know, color, you know, the, the flipping of the papers to show motion. That's what he was always into because that's how the way, that's the way how animation originally was. It's like the moment CGI was introduced, he felt like it took away from the effect of that. It took away the beauty of that where it was yeah. no longer there. The effect was never there, which he wasn't wrong. He really wasn't wrong. I mean, DreamWorks was like the greatest animated studio ever before they enter cgi yeah. it was oh my god and you know miyazaki was very we ain't gonna pretend toy story ain't a classic i mean <laughs> yeah because that was when they first started diving into cgi it was yeah sometimes they sometimes some of those are classics it's just but yeah you're right it's there is something to how do i say this sometimes there's like something being too niche as in like only a few people can do it so then, like, it's really special because only a few people do it. But then there's something to, like, when you make technology that makes something that was kind of kind of inaccessible, inaccessible, accessible, so that everyone could do it, then you can, you can kind of get so many versions of a thing that, like, some parts can lose heart. But I think the people who were still good at it were still good at it. So I don't think they got worse. It's just uh, it's easy to get some bad apples thrown in it. You know, kind of like the conversation people had now about around AI, mm -hmm. where they're like, AI doesn't, like, art has no heart. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of right. Um, because it's, it, But it's generally because it's mimicking existing things. Like, it's not creating something new to make you feel new. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just creating something based off of existing things. And that's, like, not new. Not that you have to reinvent the wheel every time you do something. But there is something to like what you creating having like an intent. And that's why that's where the emotion comes from. Like this movie, everything in this movie feels like visually in intentional. Like everything from like the way the monster, the way the creatures explode or the way violence is like shown 
with like the blood splattering and like that anime-ish way where it's like a goddamn super soaker when like something is bleeding mm-hmm. <laughs> like but it like it feels intentional it all it all feels very intentional like even like that subtle moment before like the forest spirits had explode where you just see it like smiling and then it just like fucking eviscerates because of like how powerful the bullet is when it hit like flesh like all of that is like super intentional and like um if someone isn't like a master storyteller they can easily lose that element of art when they're like creating something so I totally understand what, what they what he means in that regard. Like people can just like lose it when you're not that close to it, and you won't be able to create a masterpiece like this if you're like not super close to it. You can't you can't wing this. Like you can't make a movie like this by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really what he's trying to say at the heart of it. But that's what I took away from it. Yeah, I mean, there's certain things that also like like you said when they translated it here. To- states you know again the u.s is pretty big about who's the good guy who's the bad guy whereas you know he said it multiple times there is none you know both san and lady iboshi are both good but also not great in their own way and even the word like mononoke when movie first came out here a lot of people assumed that san was princess mononoke i mean they even stated in the movie but they're like, yeah, Prisma Noke, you know, that that's Moro's daughter. But really, Mononoke means spirit. So spirit princess. So in a way, that's what she was because she mm-hmm. was tied to the spirits, the forest. Because again, you know, when Moro told Ashitake the story of like how Moro basically was just like, I'm hungry. I see these humans. What's good? And then they were like, take my baby. <laughs> so instead, she was just like, yeah, they threw their baby at me. They gave me their baby. And instead of like eating her, I just took her in and raised her as one of my own. And so she is a spirit child. Like she's literally a, a, a princess spirit, you know, because she's a daughter of a god. Um, and it's just crazy. It's just like, oh, yeah. like, it's like kind of like Tarzan in a way, you know, like the apes fountain. They raised yeah, him. Yeah, it is as their own and it's crazy and it's funny because like you know i when i was doing more of the reading like apparently personal was a film that inspired james cameron's uh avatar avatar yeah like that's that's crazy i was just like huh interesting because there were so many people that movie first came out they were like oh they totally based it off pocahontas but no yeah it, it was... i remember someone said it was pocahontas with blue people yeah, that's what I heard it as too. But apparently, no, it was very much influenced by Princess Mononoke because the theme, the same themes, you know, Avatar also, I, I talk about nature, yeah. the environment, how sacred it is and how important it is that we keep protecting it. What do you think about, uh, the, the, I guess you could say the faith, the fates that some characters led, right? Like, you know, the lady lost her arm. We lost parts of the forest, but then the forest kind of, like, it's to start anew. Like, what do you think about those fates? Like, do you think death would have been a better lesson for some of these people? Or did they learn enough from the suffering that kind of took place in general? That's a good question. Like, that actually is a really good question. I don't know. I feel like even if, like, say, the sun rose before the spirit god was able to get his head returned. The spirit god is dead. There's nothing protecting the forest anymore. 
Um, Lady Boshi has her arm ripped off. All this stuff is happening. The chaos, destruction. Like, I feel like people will have their moment of like, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe this happened. What do we do? What about that? What about this? And then I guess try to fix things. But still kind of go back to like, okay, we paid our dues. Let's go back to doing what we were doing before. Where if death was like the only option, if they all died or whatever. Because I feel like in the end, like I said, like even if they were to die, there's no spirit God to protect them anymore. The spirits and he's dead. He's basically killing all the forest, but it's like, okay. It's like one of those toxic relationship things where it's like, if no one can have you, if no one can, if I can't have you, no one can type of shit. Where it's just like, okay, if I can't <laughs> yeah. keep protecting the forest, then no one can have the forest. And he just kills everything off. I feel like a lot of unnecessary deaths will happen and a lot of illness. I feel like no one would learn a lesson. It would just be a, a painful experience. I feel like. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like, I guess, they kind of did learn their lesson. I mean, even after everything, like, Lady Iboshi was still like, let's rebuild Iron Town, but better. Um, that could be open-ended. She could have meant that as in, let's be smarter. Let's not do the same shit we did before. Let's be yeah. more respectful. Whereas, San, she was still going to visit Akita. Uh, 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 I mean, Akashaka. Uh, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Ashit- uh, Ashitaka. And of course, he was just like, I'm going to keep helping them rebuild Iron Town. But I'm sure with him being there would have been the more accomplished. If I was like, okay, if I help you rebuild this, it needs to change. You have to change. We can't keep destroying the forest. Because even at the end, the forest spirit still, still died. He became one with Earth. He was no longer a, um, a being that was able to walk among men. He became one with the Earth. That's literally what happened. So in a way, yeah. like he still he still died, but he his last breath was to fix the forest, fix everything, and even the people were just like, "Wow, like he really did grow flowers, or he really could grow this." Wow, I had no idea. Even though I'm sure they heard stories yeah. about it, but for them to witness it firsthand, but I guess was, I guess that was a lesson. Them witnessing everything, them witnessing this headless creature come about yeah. and all this stuff, and then seeing the aftermath. I guess that was the lesson of just like. Literally, you fuck around and find out, and they fucked around and found out. That's basically what happened. So <laughs> there was no chair involved, but you know, could have been. But you know, <laughs> word, yeah, that's that's a good point because I was thinking about that even like every time I think about the end of this movie, I'm like, I lo- I like the ending. I was just like, you know, the rage kind of, <laughs> and it kind of mentioned it in the article like even some of his rage will have certain things which was shown. Like I guess like you could say my hatred took over in some parts. Where I'm just like, man, she only got her arm bit off. Like, that bitch should have got ripped to shreds. But I think even a part of that is, like, the mind of, like, what they even hint at in, like, when they were trying to translate the movie to America. How, because characters are so defined between good and evil. You know, in a lot of our movies, once a character is defined as evil, we don't care what happens to them. Like, we, we almost root for them to die, especially in a horror movie. Like, you, you want that asshole to get their comeuppance. Like, you root for that. You... If the movie, if the character doesn't get that, you're like, I hate this movie. <laughs> like, you need the character to get that to, like, feel satisfied with where things are going. And I, I think a part of me was feeling that up towards the lady. But not getting it is also kind of like, 
I guess you could say death is easy. Even though, we, you know, no one wants to say that oftentimes. Like, death is the easy part. Because when it's over, it's over. But you can't really learn when it's over. So it's like just having her having that scar of, like, you lost an arm. And you lost, not even just an arm. Her you got talent. to see your entire life work go down. <laughs> In a matter of moments, your entire life work is gone. Now, you could either look at this as an opportunity to be better. Or you could lose that 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 next arm. You can you can use lose the other one, and the choice is yours. Uh, and I think that's like a really, that's a really interesting ending, considering what we're like used to in movies. I think that's like really, kind of cool. Which is like I, I really like, even though it's kind of tragic in some ways. Like the when they were trying to tr- like you know translate this movie to America. Some of the things that they were talking about that they had to deal with, like between like, you know, Harvey Weinstein, which obviously the dude is a piece of shit. So that's that's that. But I mean, like even in the business sense where it's like he's trying to cut aspects of the movies, and make it shorter or they feel that the movie might not might be considered too complex for an animated movie. I know he's looking at the movie with the American lens of like, here's what our audience is like. But I don't know, man, I'm I'm always one of those people who just feel like. Just because you always give someone something a certain way doesn't mean you can't change. And I get that there's a business and there's money involved. And I'm speaking as a creative. So I sound like the kid playing with crayons in the corner, which is the way I just describe what being a creative is in general, because we're generally trying to create like, you know, the most fun experience and the most like entertaining experience in terms of how people walk away and feel something. And oftentimes business is just like, well, how can I make this one dollar, thirty dollars? So I know I sound crazy, but. I think there is something to like giving audiences something different that that changes the way you normally show them. So that's why that's how you leave impact. Right. Like, you know, we've got at this point, we've done a hundred, basically like a hundred movies and TV shows <laughs> and all the episodes we've done for this podcast. We've done basically a hundred, we did a hundred plus episodes, a hundred plus different forms of content. And all of these stories are interesting and unique and memorable for different reasons. And all of them don't always find a linear path. And you have something like this where it's not a, it's not def- well defined who's the bad guy because everyone has a good cause and everyone is dealing with different challenges and battles for different reasons. Like even though the lady gets on my fucking nerve, she's fighting a, she's fighting a battle of trying to be an innovator, but then also trying to be a woman in a man a man led world. So like this movie doesn't deal with racism because everyone is you could generally assume is of a similar race. But the movie just still does deal with that level of like sexism and like what that could mean for her. So you end up because of that in turn, you end up with a movie where the two lead characters at war are armies led by women, mm-hmm. which is fucking dope. Yeah. Um, and not something you often get in American films. But to have a story like that. That can translate from culture to culture. What I'm sure were very little changes to the film. Like, luckily, he signed a contract so that they couldn't cut anything from the film, which God bless him on that instead of trying to take somebody's word for it. Mm-hmm. Because this movie does transcend culture in a lot of ways and is very relatable and very easy to understand and very thought provoking in terms of the themes and what they're going through. It, I think it's a shame that some people just couldn't take, like, essentially an animated film because the characters are drawn differently than like Halle Berry. I think it's kind of ridiculous that people think 
certain audiences can't ex- absorb certain things because the story isn't telling you what to believe. And that was like the challenge that this movie faced when like going from Japan to America. And I think that's kind of insane. No, I agree with you. And it's interesting when you brought up the whole like um, the ending, like it's your choice whether you want to learn from it or not. That was his whole purpose of this whole movie. He was just like the whole movie is to make your own individual choices. That's it. That was it. Like you're viewing it and now you as a viewer are thinking like, huh, but what I have done. Who's right? Who's wrong? It's it's up to choice. Like he gave these characters freedom to choose. He gave us freedom to choose who we're siding with. Who do we think is right or wrong? And not many people. I mean, we're gonna be doing Attack on Titan later on this year. They do that too. Attack on Titan does the same shit, and it's it's so powerful when creators can do that to a viewer where Dennis sparks the most most interesting most intriguing I don't want to say arguments but conversations ever of like so who do you think was right who do you think was wrong it it it, it, it sparks the conversation and then you as a viewer who's critiquing like we're doing right now but we talk about it and we're just like huh San was never wrong San had every right to be this way yeah but lady Ibushi, blah blah you get what I mean like it, it's so interesting because that was yeah. his whole purpose his whole purpose was like I'm making it open-ended with choice. You make the decision. It's free choice. That is the whole purpose of viewing this film. Go and watching it with a free open mind of choice. Make the decision of who you think was right, who was wrong. How could it, how could it, been, how could it be done different, if anything? Like, that was his whole point of it all. And again, this man's a genius. Like, as miserable and, yeah, de- yeah. and depressed and angry at the world that he is, he makes the most like amazing, <laughs> beautiful like series, and this man is constantly being like, "I'm retiring," and he's coming out of retirement, guys. He has a new movie coming out. This man does not know how to retire. <laughs> I mean, he took a break, but he was just like, "All right, bitches, I'm back," and it's just like, "Oh, here we go. Miyazaki's about to come out the world and tell everybody they suck <laughs> and why he's better." All jokes aside, though, but like he's notorious for that. The same way has as like Grimaldo Toro, his his whole thing of like showing the world what it is that humanity are monsters and same thing with him all Miyazaki films from Studio Ghibli all have a secret not a secret message but they all have a message behind it all they all have a meaning behind it because they're all tied to spirituality and he's not really a religious person he said it many times like I don't I'm not tied to religion I don't believe in religion but because of the culture him being a Japanese Japanese man he puts that in his films and again we say it all the time stop fucking with these movies leave them alone like stop trying to remake <laughs> them stop trying to edit them stop trying to change them because oh, i don't understand it good learn go to the library open a damn book learn like leave these movies alone because i'm i'm also glad they never cut it i'm glad they never changed anything because there's so much yeah. culture so much like cultural symbolism and, and religious symbolism that's within this movies and all his films because it's from where he's from. It's, it's Japanese culture. It's something that we might not be fully aware of or we know of because we're not of that place. We're not of those people. We're not of that culture. So it's also a learning experience for us, you know, who are not from there. And I love how he takes us on adventures all the time. And it's like, hey, come into this crazy adventure with me. Let's go explore. <laughs> you know, whether we're traveling in a giant ass yeah. bus cat or moving castle or 
a flying plane <laughs> in the air or you know like it's all his movies are like that because they're all adventures but they're adventures about life and growing up and you know the lessons that we have to learn as as adults as human beings how to become better how to be better i just love him for that like i really do love that man for that because he really makes you sit down and makes you evaluate your own life your own existence to be like how can i be a better person so that this don't repeat within me you know and again yeah. to quote the movie again look into the world with your eyes unclouded by hate that's all you gotta do yeah word yeah facts facts i just want to say one last thing before we get out of here i often um of course it's in relation to the movie but i often think about uh when we had marisa on for for, for the first time when we did wreck mm-hmm. a recording and I remember she made a, a comment that's valid when she was talking about how some aspects of the story probably wouldn't transition as well to like America. Like, you know, there was specific things going on in that part of the world when that story and specific things that that story was trying to tell. And how when we were, we, you know, we were talking about the remake quarantine and we were like, I mean, they should have just took the original, just brought over here. It's a far better film. And we were saying, yeah, it's well, I get what you mean, but it might not have translated as well. And I'm like, that's. That's, that's a really good point, but I often think nowadays when I just go, man, I don't even care how I translate. If you see a movie and, and, and there are cultural things that you don't understand and don't, you've never been a part of or you, you don't like fully interpret what they mean, go learn what the fuck it mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's like the best way I can look at it now. I'm like, fuck being spoon fed what it means. Go look at what it means. Like we, you know, uh. We have other movies coming up. We we got Tiger's Not Afraid of coming up. And, you know, there's so many specific, symbolic, cultural things in that movie that I didn't even know when viewing the movie. But the movie left enough of an impact that we go, man, I need to go look up what some of the things in this movie means. Because it's like, this hits us, this hits an emotional chord. So I think something to be said, man, you ain't got to spoon fade everybody, everything. I know they're trying to make their dollars, but there is something to be said for leaving an impact and hitting people enough that they want to learn. No. So that's all I got to say. I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's just true. Like I said, go to the library, open the fucking book. Read a book. God damn it. All right, let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> let me stop. It first of all, it's just like, okay, well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yell at you. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yes, uh, so again, we saw it in theaters. I believe uh, it's kind of like done now, being shown in theaters now as a special thing. But I think yes. it's gonna, I think it's gonna reemerge in September. It's gonna replay it again in September for two days. So if you are in the New York City area, definitely go check it out because it's during Studio Ghibli Festival, where they're showcasing all of Miyagi's, um, Miyazaki's films, um, and also other films from Studio Ghibli, and it's also on Max. So if you have the streaming service, Max, go watch it in there. I believe it's also on Amazon Prime. So if you have Prime, watch that shit over there. And again, I we highly recommend you watch Prisoner and Okay. It is such a beautiful movie, a beautiful story, humanity versus nature, slight little love, you know, happening a little bit in there, but it doesn't overflow. It doesn't like overlay the story, which is great. And yeah, it's just it's just really beautiful. It's a beautiful story. Definitely watch it. If not, I don't know. I might have to tell Captain Planet so you could turn into a goddamn tree. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Whoever's listening, if you get that reference, p- 
please, please, when this episode drops, please put a tree in the comments. Please. That's how I know you got the reference. <laughs> so that Captain Platter would turn into a damn tree. <laughs> um, but yeah, so until next time, guys. Ooh, you go. Goodbye. <laughs>